It's November 7th, 2010, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of the show. And a special welcome to those new listeners who have recently discovered the program. For you newbies, or even for those who have been around for a while, you can easily access the archive of interviews by visiting the blog at thecandidframe.com, where I have links for every episode, or they are also available by visiting iTunes or any podcast aggregator. Also, there are spaces still available for a special photo walk that travel photographer Ralph Velasco and I will be conducting in the downtown theater district of Los Angeles. It's going to be a wonderful opportunity to join me in one of my favorite locations to photograph, as well as provide me a chance to share how I use light and color to make many of the images that you found on my blog and website. You can find out more again by visiting the blog. Today's guest, Joanne Santangelo is a photographer who began her journey as a petty cab driver in Texas. Her journey since has taken her to New York and recently across the country where she has turned her camera to the subject of veterans who have been impacted by the controversial Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy, which has been the focus of much attention here in the United States. She uses the camera to aptly reveal the faces and the stories behind the headlines. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Joanne Santangelo. Well, Joanne, welcome to the Candid Frame. I, I, I know you're busy walking the streets of New York, so I'm glad that we were able to, you know, catch each other and have a chance to talk uh, this morning. So welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm uh, glad to have this opportunity to speak to you. I've had a lot of guests on the show, but I have to say that your your beginnings are pretty interesting. Um, you actively became a photographer while you were, were a petty cab driver down in Austin, Texas, which I think is uh, a unique uh, beginning story for a photographer. Tell me about that job and the choice to start using a camera when you were out there working. Um, well, I mean, it just seemed, I had always photographed, you know, I grew up in, I grew up in Boston and I was always the kid running around, you know, snapping photos. So I'd always done that. And but it wasn't until I moved uh, to Austin um, that yeah, it just made you know photographing it was, the people were just amazing. What what I had started was you know I would walk around the streets. Um, actually, sorry, ride my bike um, around the streets of Austin and just started stopping people and said, you know, can I take your photo? Can you take your picture? And then you know, just kind of came addicting that I had to actually find a way to support my film habits of shooting black and white film and processing and developing. And so that's when I fell into pedicabbing and then that just um, kind of carried and pushed my photography forward. And yeah, from that day, I started doing that when I moved there in 2006. And it just was um, about three years of yeah, riding your bike every day and photographing. It was an amazing experience. And that's what led me to New York. So um, after doing, sorry, go ahead. Does it, tell me, the, the, were you already sort of a people person and that just sort of made it easier for you to, to you know, not only approach people, but, you know, take on that particular job, which involved you being uh, very, very social? Or did you find that being a pedicab driver really helped you in your ability to approach people and make their photographs? 
I mean, it's definitely both. I wouldn't say, um, I definitely have, I love people and I love photographing people, you know, real people. Um, before I moved to Austin, I worked, you know, I waited tables. That kind of breaks you in with having to have a persona with people. And so you do that for years and you bartend and that kind of like, opens up gates and it kind of takes away that scare factor of approaching people you don't know and, and chatting up in that way. And so, yeah, being the pedicabber just, was just natural, you know, to continue. It definitely pushed me and my fear of people um, into the complete back burner, you know. It was just like, yeah, it's just natural. It's just something that just comes natural. There's kind of like... Um, you know, I don't know. There's yeah. There's no fear of the no, and the worst that could happen is somebody would say no if you ask them. So, I never, um, I never kind of think of it that way. And actually, um, in the um, the time that I was in Austin, over the two and a half years, I ended up taking about 1,500 uh, black and white portraits of people on the streets of Austin. And people had asked me, you know, how many people said no to you. And actually, that whole time there was only one person. So it was uh, definitely, I don't know, that's something that I think of. That's a lot of time and a lot of photographs to dedicate to just one particular thing. How did you feel you developed a, as a photographer as a result of just dedicating that much time and energy to that particular um, subject matter and that particular approach? Um, I definitely developed as the fact that I was starting to call myself a photographer for the first time. Um, and just, just the love and learning how to... Um, see a story in frames, you know, within images, um, how to sequence in that, you know, I had never done any of that. And, you know, with no formal training prior to coming to New York, um, at that point, you know, I didn't know anything about editing and sequencing. So just trying to figure all that out and like, okay, this photo is good for this reason. You know, it was interesting to see that. And, you know, at first I was just taking pictures and I wasn't even thinking. And then my friend who was a photographer in Austin, you know, I started showing her after about, you know, 200 of them, and she was like, Joanne, she's like, this is, these are amazing, you know, just keep doing it, just keep doing it, and to me, I didn't even think when I had started, it was just something that I had no control over, you know, it was just like, I, you know, just love making pictures, and that's uh, kind of what happened from there, and after doing that, that's what inspired me to apply to go to school at the um, International Center of Photography here in New York. So I was like, all right, well, this is cool and something that I might want to do. So let me try to get some formal training. And so that's what led me here. You make an interesting point about saying editing and, and sequencing of images. I think a lot of people make a lot of photographs, but they never really learn how to edit. Why don't you speak about that part of the process and how important has it been towards really revealing the sort of true nature of the work that you do? Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, every day I'm still, you know, that's the part that now I'm realizing how important it actually is, you know, like then you just like, you, you make pictures, you keep, you keep, you know, you shoot, you shoot, you're in like the process of, um, you know, making material, but then at the end it's like, well, great, I have all this material, now what, you know, so then you kind of go down to the, to the bones and you stop and you start looking at, you know, different views like oh, okay yeah this one's great but in order in the story i need something you know a little further away i need a close-up you know a detailed shot like you know you start putting together a narrative and that comes through editing and sequencing and that's you know to me which i've learned you know just within the last couple of years is so vital and so important i mean just right now like my current project i just finished um 
editing and the whole project, you know, it's over two years time. It's 67 portraits, but there was 9,000 images that I shot and to get it down to 67 was like, wow. And, um, yeah, so it's just going through and going through and, you know, looking, just looking at first, just looking, not like really editing, you know, and then, okay, so then you looked and then now you go back through and you look again, but you look a little closer and then, you know, it's a whole definitely slow, but such a rewarding process that at the end, like yesterday I lined up the 67 portraits on my floor and I was just like, okay, this makes sense. I'm, I'm starting to see it now. And, but you know, then you go still go back and I was like, but now maybe that other one of him looks better in the sequence, even though this one I think is a better portrait on its own. You know what I mean? When things on their own are great, but sometimes the other one's better in the story. Mm. That makes sense. Well, that, that particular project is how you came to my attention. So why don't you tell us about what Proud to Serve is and what your journey's been over the last couple of couple of years, and especially the last several months uh, in producing the images for that project? Um, yeah, I started, I started Proud to Serve, um, which is a portrait of um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender um, veterans, uh, service members, people who served in the United States military, who um, were either discharged under um, the current and hopefully not for long uh, don't ask, don't tell law, or they served their whole career in silence, and others just left because they just couldn't take it anymore. They left on their own accord. And um, yeah, I started this project two years ago um, when I had enrolled in at the at ICP here in Manhattan, and actually it brings us kind of full circle back to the pedicab in a way because I was actually the, my first like true interaction with any real military people, especially military people of my age, was when I was riding a pedicab in Austin um, because it's very close to Fort Hood. And so it's the height of the Iraq war, you know, it's 2006, 2008, and a lot of the young soldiers would come down to Austin on the weekends, you know, to to let off some steam and hang out and just, you know, most of them had come back from one, two deployments. And so, you, you know, you, you start talking to them. And there was one um, young man in particular when I was riding my, pet, riding my pedicab, he was in the back and we just started talking and, you know, to make the long story short, he basically came out to me and said that he was gay that he was in the military and, you know, he didn't want to go back. And so he just, you know, he stuck in my head. And so as soon as I went home, I started typing in, you know, gays in the military. And at this point, you know, I didn't understand what Don't Ask, Don't Tell really was and, you know, what it means to be a gay person in the military and how many there actually were. You know, the numbers just started popping up on me. You know, it's just like a million gay veterans, you know, at that time, you know, 13,000 kicked out under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and, you know, you know, 60-plus thousand serving, you know, serving on active duty. And I was like, this is crazy, you know? I was like, but who are they? And so that kind of just, like, stuck in my head. And so when I went to ICP that September of um, 2008, I proposed to get to pick, you know, a long-term project. And so I proposed that I wanted to photograph um, gay veterans in their homes and went through, you know, it was a pretty tough, tough road at first, you know, getting my um, professor to approve the project because at that point, you know, Don't Ask, Don't Tell wasn't really in the news. And so it was like, yeah, well, you know, they kind of like were on me like, 
you know, gays have always been in the military. Why do you want to photograph this? You know, who really cares? And I was like, that's the point. You know, like, gays have always been in the military, but we never see them. We never hear from them. Like, who are these people? And so that's what, how I kind of started. And then, you know, it's been a slow process at first. And, you know, kind of brought me to here. And what brought me to here is um, about a month or so ago, I, you know, went on the road trip, which was a 30-day road trip um, around the United States. I drove 10,000 plus miles, and I photographed um, 46 uh, veterans in the 28 days to bring me to this um, exhibit, which will have 67 of the portraits that I shot over the last two years. Is that the, the long of the short of, uh, you know, a lot of other stuff in between, a lot of like, oh, my God, okay, where do I start? How do you find gay veterans, you know? And, you know, I shot the 10 while I was in school, and then, you know, I kind of was like, okay, I'm done. And then, you know, people kept contacting me and contacting me. And so I would shoot a few here and there. And then um, Hector at the LGBT Center in Manhattan, where will be on exhibit, in January contacted me and said he wanted to exhibit this if I could get 30 portraits, you know, and at that point I had 12. And so it was a way to figure out, okay, how do I get, you know, 18 more in the next 10 months and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so, uh, but then the road trip just kind of put, put my brain into that and, you know, kept all the emails of all the veterans over the years who had contacted me. And then, you know, through Facebook, um, so many more found me and, you know, that's, uh, pretty much it. How did you start finding the newer subjects? Uh, well, tell me first how about how you started first finding out your subjects and how you got the word out. And, uh, yeah, tell me about that. Uh, okay, okay. Um, well, at, at first, I guess it was really kind of like, okay, yes, this is what I want to do. This is like, it's this, you know, big idea, now bring it down to the small. And so first I just started contacting all the organizations, you know, all the major ones, Service Members United, Service Members Legal Defense Network. Um, and, you know, I would say, yeah, I'm a, you know, a documentary student, a photography student. You know, I want to do this project. Can you help me? Can you put me in touch? Can you, you know, send out, you know, send out this email to people you know? And, and you know, at first, like, no responses. And, you know, it was... Uh, and there was a local chapter here in New York of um, American Veterans for Equal Rights, and I had contacted them, and Denny Meyer, who is the uh, president director of that, you know, he was like, yeah, we meet at the center, you know, one Sunday a month, you can come, you know, but mostly there's just a bunch of us old guys sitting around, and so I go, and of course, yes, that's the case, and they were all like, yeah, you know, sure, you can take our picture. I was like, no, I want to take your picture of you in your home. And they're like, why do you want to come to my house? You know, I live in Queens, you don't, you know, blah, 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 and so they, nobody was really receptive to that at first to understand why I needed to come to their home because my thought process was, you know, casual portraits, you know, bring it down to humanizing. You know, my thing from the beginning was I wanted to put a human face on the statistics of don't ask, don't tell. Well, what's more human and more than somebody in their home, just in their natural environment, being who they are. And so, you know, I went without no success through emails there was a rally in uh washington dc in march of 09 so i go down there and that's where i met um the first like four veterans who were in my project and kind of from there kind of you know like i said you, i got like one to two here three there and then 
people did start um, contacting me, but they would be in Utah. Because, you know, I would just send out emails. I was posting all over the Internet looking for participants. And, you know, so I'd get one trickle here, one email there. And I'm like, great, you know, well, I'm a photo student in Brooklyn. You know, I don't have any money. I can't get to you yet. But I would keep their email. And then um, when I was done with school, the first six photos, I think, portraits were published in The Advocate actually so that kind of so that came out in november and from there you know a bunch more people started contacting me and you know you photograph one veteran and it's what i learned the most is that it is such a great community they all really are you know connected and care about each other because they went through you know some pretty horrific times and so they you meet, photograph one veteran, they're like, oh, well, you need to photograph my friend. You need to photograph this guy. You need to photograph that one. So people would just give me their contacts, and I would keep them, and I would keep them, and I would keep them. And then I set up um, a Proud to Serve on Facebook um, at the time that I had set up the Kickstarter, which was how I funded my road trip. Um, so when I set up Kickstarter and then I set up the Proud to Serve on Facebook um, site, that kind of just once you once I that I started doing that at the end of July of this year of August, it just kind of you know snowballed and opened up, and I was getting more veterans. So I was like, oh my god, I'm not going to be able to you know photograph all these people. I'm only traveling for 30 days. You know, first it was like 20, and then it was 30, and then it was like 35, and then by the time it was all said and done in the 28 days, it was 46 people. Um, you know, I would be traveling, and I got an email from one gentleman in Santa Cruz while I was in. Lake Havasu, um, Arizona, just got through photographing this one veteran. I get an email, and um, he was like, hey, pee on your map. Looks awfully like Santa Cruz. Is that true? Are you coming here? You know, I'm a disabled veteran. I would love to, you know, participate. I was discharged under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And he was like, you know, looked at my schedule, and I was like, perfect. You know, I have an hour here. I can get you in. And so that's kind of what happened and kind of what brought me here now. And <laughs> It's, it yeah, must have been particularly like, challenging, not only just traveling traveling across the country, but you know you were often under some really tight time constraints in terms of making making these portraits. Um, I think you mentioned before we started uh, recording the conversation, you photographed as many as four people in a in a single day. Um, how can you really do justice to a portrait when you only have a, a you know a small amount of time and and are moving across the country where you know it can be really taxing sort of physically. No, definitely. And that was like my biggest concern. And still, even when I started the editing process, was just like, oh, you know, I could tell I was, you know, on two hours sleep, had a drug driven, you know, for the third day in a row, you know, 12 hours, photographed three people. And, and I was definitely very worried that, you know, I need to do this person honor. Like this is an amazing opportunity. And, you know, I, I don't want to, and it was just kind of like you get in there and right away, you know, people always, you know, glass of water, sit down. And I just look around the room and because they are casual portraits, 90% of them are natural lit. You know, there's a few times I would have to throw a flash on the ceiling and bounce it just for some fill because there was none um, suitable natural light. But, you know, I just kind of look around and there was, a lot of them were done during the daylight hours of the night. And I just remember my instructor from ICP just saying, you know, just find your light, find your light. And so I would just look and, you know, we would talk. And most of the photos I would take would be while we were initially talking, you know, just, you know, let me take some pictures and I'm just going to, you know, they're pretty casual. So 
even if I only had, most of the time I would be at each person's house for about two hours. Because it was a good time. I scheduled that. I made sure that I had a two-hour frame so I wouldn't be rushed, you know. And if I needed to drive an extra hour that night because I stayed an extra hour with somebody, then that was what I would have to do. You know, I never, even though it seemed like it was a rush trip, I never wanted them to feel like I was just this breathing person, like, coming through, like, hi, you don't know me. I'm taking your picture. Tell me about this, you know, probably terrible experience, you know that you had and buy it, shake their hand. It was, you know, I never wanted it to be like that. I wanted it to feel very comfortable with me, like I was an old friend coming to hang out and snap a few photos. And I think that kind of comes across in the images, which I hope is what the sense of that. You know, some of them, yes, I could say, like, I wish I wouldn't have, you know, been so tired. I probably wish I would have had maybe a little more time with that person, you know, for sure, definitely. You know, um, there's a few, like, oh, if I could, you know, go back and reshoot, you know, I might, I, I would have liked to have done this or that. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and in the end, you know, the whole project as a whole, I think, speaks more powerful than a single image anyways. Yeah. It, looking at your work and looking at the different photo projects that you have on your site, I see that community or communities is a big part of what you like documenting, whether it was in the work that you did in Austin, this particular project, uh, the work that you did in Christopher Street. Um, it, it seems like your focus is not just the individual, but how all these people are sort of interrelated, either within a small macroco- microcosm or even sort of the greater uh, the greater picture. Uh, I read in your bio that you grew, grew up in, in, in North Boston, and you talk about growing up in a neighborhood where people knew each other and and... Uh, you know, a situation where people are fairly tight knit, and if they didn't know each other personally, they were familiar with each other. How how big a role did growing up in that kind of community influence what you want to do with the camera? Um, it definitely um, influenced me a lot. I mean, that was even when I you know I moved to Austin. That's what kind of started me, you know, on my bike journey. Was that I felt, you know, I'd moved, grew up in, it's, I grew up in, you know, third generation to grow up in this small Italian neighborhood in Boston. You know, it's called the North End. It's this tiny little neighborhood. Um, you know, like the, we were third generation. Like my friends, my best friends were my dad's, his, their parents were best friends, and their grandparents who probably came over from Italy together. You know, it was really tight, tight in that way. So that's how we had grown up, you know, and, um, so when I moved to Austin, it was kind of like, I was so shocked when people didn't know their neighbors. You know, that was, like, my basis of, like, how do you not know, like, these people, you know, it's like you live next door, you communicate people, and not even, like, people next door to you, just in general, the people of your, you know, I broke it down to the people of your city. It just kind of, I didn't realize that it was a subconscious. It wasn't until I started editing the photos back to editing. It wasn't until I started, like, after taking, you know, hundreds of them that I was like, oh, this is why. This is what, you know, I, this is what I was n- missing and lacking in my life, you know, that community that, you know, I felt, you know, somewhat disconnected and a little like, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? And, you know, so that kind of, yeah, definitely. And I've kind of, since then, in that initial, you know, photo project, I definitely, that's what draws me to each subject matter that I decide to photograph. It's just like, we are a community. We are, you know, do you know your neighbor, you know, in the relative term, you know, of the world? It's just like, we are all connected in one form or another in the end, you know, it's like, yes, I am gay, they're a veteran, you are straight, they're transgender, they are a prostitute. But in the end, we're all human beings, and we're all just here trying to figure it out every day. And 
so I like to photograph, yeah, just real people, you know, living their lives and showing that, you know, nobody's better than anybody else or really in the truly different, you know, when you look at somebody in their eyes. And I think that's a big part of my photos. You know, I like to have people, you know, look, look you in the eye and, and say something. It's it's real fascinating looking at all your work that that you seem to have been drawn to people that people are aware of but are relatively invisible. I mean, whether it's the sort of the pedicab drivers, the 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 soldiers, or even the prostitutes on on Christopher Street, they're people that people see but really haven't seen or really haven't gotten a really awareness. They're sort of people that exist on the periphery. Yeah, they're kind of like the, the the people you walk by every day, but you don't like stop and actually look at them. You know, it's like you or you like look, but you want to like look away, or you just don't even want to acknowledge that it exists. You know, it's just some people. You know, you still hear today there are no gays in the military. You know, you know, oh New York, there's still prostitutes. You know, that still happens. You know, that was like the major thing when people when I just showed my Christopher Street work was just like where is this this is still here and it's like yeah it's right there it's right there in the West Village and every day you know you walk down there that that those photos were taken on one block like you can go there any night of the week and this is here but you know people yeah and just I think um I, I am definitely drawn to the often unseen it's stuff that I'm curious about you know and that's what I think draws any photographer or any, you know, documentarian journalist, um, you know, it's just like, okay, what's going on here? I want to know more about that. You know, that's how Christopher Street happened. You know, I was walking by this bar with my friends. Um, with, I was in the process of shooting the Gay Veterans Project at ICP, and I was just getting frustrated, you know. I had never shot um, really color images before. I had never shot quiet portraits. I'd always been like a black and white street photographer. And so, A, I was getting frustrated with the portraits I was taking and be the lack of photos I was making. Like I wasn't shooting, I wasn't shooting every day, which is what I've done for years, you know, up until this point being in Austin and then here. And so I was, you know, walking around the streets of New York with my friends one night, you know, after late night at school, we've been there about 10 hours and we walked by this bar on Christopher street and we were like, what is that? You know, it's just like, here she is. She had lived in New York 10 years, you know, I'd come to New York billion times, you know, throughout my life, and I was like, this is, you know, what is going on here? So we walked, and we walked back, and it took us, you know, a couple of walks to get the courage, you know, a couple of drinks at another bar to go into this bar that we had saw, because it was like, oh my, you know, goodness, what is here? And, you know, so we just hung out, and I started talking to a few of the um, women, and they were like, who are you? What are you doing here? Why are you here? And I told them, I said, I'm a documentary photography student, and I'm really curious, and so that kind of you know, led to me going back there again the next night and then going back the next night. And then I went back every night, you know, from, you know, 11 o'clock at night till 4 in the morning and went to school, still trying, you know, that's when I was still aggressively looking for veterans for my school project. And, yeah, and that just kind of, you know, I think it's just the curiosity of the something you walk by every day or the unseen yeah. Well, tell, tell me about developing trust with, you know, with those women there. Um, you don't just immediately come out and start pulling your camera and taking pictures. So tell me about that yeah. process of going back to the bar and, and sort of engendering their, their trust so that you could pull out your camera and start documenting them. Yeah, it, it really did kind of happen pretty much overnight. You know, we had, um, me and my friend um, Sophie had stayed there that night. We ended up staying until, you know, five in the morning with them and 
kind of just, I didn't pull out my camera. We were just in the bar, you know, drinking. I think just kind of like letting them see like we're okay. You know, we went outside at one point and we were uh, smoking a cigarette with them. And all of a sudden these two, after they had repeatedly asked if we were cops and we're like, no, we're not cops, you know, <laughs> like my photo students. And um, at that point I was hanging around with this one um, transgender homeless um, teenager. And that, and that's what I had actually had brought me down to that area to begin with. Cause I was looking for him. And so when we were outside hanging, she, you know, the one woman Kwana was just like, so, why are you here? You know, and I said, I'm a documentary photography student and I was looking for this um, uh, kid Damien and, you know, he's homeless, transgender. And she's like, well, we're not all homeless. And I was like, I know that, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm here. I'm just, you know, hanging out. And so we hung out all night and there was this one um, who was not, a, he's actually a male, um, he's a male, I called himself a male escort. Um, Apollo, he kind of um, warmed up to me and he's kind of the, mayor down there you know if you're in with Apollo then you're cool and so we we um hung out all night and I just told him I'll be back tomorrow and sure enough I went back and he was like you came back and I was like I told you I would he's like you know a lot of people come down here and can tell that some people want to take our photos but you know we don't let them and I said yeah well you know I'm I'm just here and if you if you let me I'll you know I'll take out my camera and so I did I just had it out and hung out with them all night snapped a few pictures and then I was on the Friday, and then I went back the next night and never put my camera away and just, you know, went there every night. And they became, you know, they became my friends. You would, And all you do is you walk the block. You know, you stand out in front of there. The bar is called Chi-Chi's, and it's just the block of Christopher Street between Hudson and Greenwich. And there's all these cops. There's all these women. And you just, they're, they're a community. They're friends. They call themselves family. You know, the younger ones come in and Apollo's like, this is my son. You know, I'm his godfather. This is my uncle. That one's my dad. You know, she's my gay mother. And they're all one big family. It was interesting to be and privileged to be allowed into that world. You know, I don't go down there much anymore if I'm busy, but anytime I do, you know, Apollo comes running up and, you know, it's a big hug and where have you been, girl? And, you know, let's go for a walk. And we just walk, walk the block and it's, it's, uh, it was definitely quite an experience, that's for sure. What are you hoping that people get when they look at these photographs, not only of this project, but all the other projects that you've worked on? What kind of insight or awareness do you want people to walk away from when they when they take a look at these these photographs and these photo stories? Uh, you know, just, you don't have to accept. It's not acceptance. It's just, just to... Just to, to open people's thought thought process, I guess, just to say, like, okay, maybe want to learn more or just be like, oh, wow, you know, that's, in the end, you know, people, I hope, I hope that in my photos, you know, they come across as no matter what situations or what these people's lives are, that they are, you know, have found a community, they have found whatever it is that they need to do to make themselves happy, you know, to make happy or to get by, um, just to open awareness. I think it make people go find more information on their own. You know, I found with, you know, just doing this veterans project, you know, I now know, you know, a lot about Don't Ask, Don't Tell them what it means to be gay in the military. And I just hope that people, you know, it's like, oh, so what, so what, you know, you don't ask, you don't tell. And it's like, no, it's not that simple. It's like, 
you go to work on Monday, you're you're gay in the military, you're active duty, and you, you're with these people a lot every day, and you go in there on Monday, and you just had this great weekend with your partner, and you can't say anything. Like, you can't say, like, oh, you know, he or she bought me this, or I did that. So people ask, like, oh, I didn't, you know, go nothing, we did nothing. You know, I want people to hear the stories and see that these are real people with real stories. And I think that is what I hope that people get from all of my images, I think, in the end is that people see, like, oh, no, these are real people. These are real stories. They're not just statistics. They're not just a prostitute on the street. Like, this is somebody's, was once somebody's son or daughter or is somebody's mother and daughter, you know, to that to that extent. Yeah, I just want, I hope that when people see that in the end, we see, you know, that we're all just human beings. Well, not all your imagery is is story based or as or as earnest as some of the projects that you've done. Well, looking at your blog, what you were traveling, you were posting what I think are these i iPhone photographs, and a lot of those photographs I really enjoyed. They're they're beautiful, they're fun, they're um, they're definitely you know a lot more laid back than some of the, the projects that you've been working on. Um, tell me about how important making those images were, especially during this, this trip when you were challenged in so many ways. Um, taking those photos, especially during the trip, was definitely my my insanity key. It was, you know, where I got to, you know, you're driving by yourself, you know, 10, 12, six hours stretches here and there between. I mean, the, the country is beautiful, um, but the parts that would make me like, okay, how many times do I have to go into a gas station? How many times do you have to go into a bathroom every day, you know, by yourself? So let's make this fun and kind of made it like, just like, you know, opened my eyes to like a mundane thing of driving and going to the bathroom and sleeping in a motel. And so it was, yeah, it definitely was just like, Ooh, let's look at, look at that little detail there in the back. Look at this thing on the wall. Look at this in this rest stop. Like, Oh, that's cool. You know, let's sit here and stop. And it would make me stop. And, Driving, you know, I drove a lot of two-lane highways because you're going cross-country. You're not going A to B. You're going from A, B, C, and D in between major cities. So the map would not take me on, you know, a major interstate. It would take me on these little state two-lane highways between A and B. And so that would give me the opportunity. You're driving, even though the speed limit's 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour. You know, you you, you go a little slower, and you st- I would pull over, you know, randomly all the time just like to make a picture with my iPhone and people ask like, Oh, you're going to take tons of pictures with your camera. You know, like I shot, I shoot on Nikon. I shot the whole thing on the D 700, the portraits, but I told myself that I would not take one photo um, unless it was only use my camera camera, whatever you want to call it um, just for the portraits, because I couldn't even imagine having to take, you know, tourist scenery photos, you know, road trip photos and have to upload those every day, you know, in the raw, you know, edit those and separate them from the veterans. It's like I knew when I was uploading from my cell phone that it was photos that I took on the road, just my fun photos. And I knew when I was uploading from my camera that those were the portraits and they were completely separate. And I was a separate person when I had either one in my hand. You know, I kept the phone on my lap because it had my directions. You know, I needed it. It was my lifeline. But also there was like the two apps that were open. It was like my Shake It Photo app and, you know, the Google Map on the iPhone. So it was just like... Yeah, it was great. You know, windows had to be down so I could get the port. A lot of the photos were taken, you know, as I was driving, you know, just don't think, just kind of look out of the corner of my eye, put up the thing and, you know, hit the shutter and hopefully I got what I thought I could see. And, yeah, so it was it was really fun. It definitely uh, 
was a good thing at night when I would go back to the hotel or motel where I stayed with a lot of the veterans along the way, which was amazing. Um, got stayed with a lot of old friends, and yeah, that was like my time to check out of like, oh my God, I just, this person, I just met this veteran, they were amazing, but their story was just like so heart-wrenching, and now I have to go to this other person who's next, and you know, so you're thinking of the two, the, the, as I was driving, I always would think of the person I just left and the person I'm going to next, what I knew about them. Some people I knew a lot, some of the veterans I really didn't know much about, so I didn't know what I was in for, except for they were male or female, they were in this city, and maybe I knew if they were discharged or not. Um, so it was kind of the, yeah, definitely my little sanity key. That's for sure. I think what's interesting about those photographs is they're, they're very much in line with what you do with your other work and the fact that you are kind of showing people things that are right in front of them, but they don't really see that within the context of the frame, whether it's your Nikon or whether it's your iPhone, you're saying, hey, notice this, look at this. You see it all the time, but you don't really take the time to slow down and really take it in. And I think that all your photographs sort of speak to that. I, I I definitely yeah I would uh, that's um, my first artist statement that's exactly what I wrote to people you know and people like oh you have to write an artist statement I'm like what what is that you know and it was thinking it was just like stop slow down you know take a look because this is something you might walk by every day but if you actually look at it you know it's just like taking the mundane out of the everyday life it's just like it doesn't have to be that way like yes you, most people you go from A to B every day you know you leave your house at this time you get home at that time you do this you know but it, maybe just, you know, look left instead of right or stop and look up and, you know, maybe talk to the person next to you that you would never talk to. And, you know, things change. I think one of the greatest quotes that I ever uh, keep in my head is that when um, when you look at the way you look at things, you know, if you look at something, my brain is, is fried right now. Um, when you stop and you change the way you look at things, things change. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's the same thing, but if you look at it differently, then it's changed. It has a whole new meaning. Um, so. You had the opportunity to study with Eugene Richards, who's a legendary documentary photographer. Tell me a bit about what you learned from from him. Oh, my. Uh, that he, It was probably one of the most, I mean, he is just, he was my mentor from, he was like, to me, that was like, if I could make one photo ever to even compared to anything like that Eugene Richards done, I would feel very happy. Um, I went out, yeah, during ICP, they tell you, you know, oh, you should um, get an internship, but you kind of have to do it on your own. And the only person I thought of right away that I wanted to intern with was Eugene Richards. I actually emailed him for years um, while I was in Austin, you know, when I started my Austin scene photo project. Because um, growing up in Boston, that was the, Dorchester Days was a, a book that I had when I was younger, and I was like, wow, these are really cool, you know, but I still didn't understand, like, oh, you actually can do that as a living. So I kind of put that on my back burner and then was reintroduced to his work um, again when I was living in Austin by my friend, and once he stuck in my head, yes, anyway, so I would email him and say, hey, you know, I'm from Boston, I live in Austin now, I've been taking all these black and white portraits, like he would actually respond to me, you know, like I would send him a link to my website, be like, you know, if you could ever take a look and let me know what you think, you know, of course nothing. And so I come to ICP and um, I'm working with Joe Rodriguez, who's my instructor, who's another amazing photographer and mentor of mine, and Brian Young, who is Eugene Richards' 
old, old friend and lifelong black and white printer. So, you know, I get to ICP and I start emailing Eugene again, like, hey, um, I'm at ICP now. I live in New York. I was wondering if you ever wanted to get together for coffee, blah, blah, blah. You know, where you think, where my head was, like, okay, whatever. No response. <laughs> and, like, this guy's going to talk to me. And then um, one day we were in in class. It was 10 p.m. Our class ended. We had a night shooting class with Joe and Brian. And somehow Eugene Richards' name comes up. And I knew that Brian was, like, tight with him. And so his name comes up, and I was like, oh, Eugene Richards. I was like, I love him. I was like, he is, like, my idol. And Joe was like, well, you know that that's Brian's boy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, I actually used that card in one of the last emails I sent him where I said, I'm in Brian Young's class now, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so sure enough, the next morning I have dark room black and white printing with Brian. So that was 10 o'clock at night, 10 a.m. the next morning. We're back in class in our other class, and I walk in, and who's standing there but Eugene Richards? And I was like, no way. Like, I started shaking. And Brian's like, Eugene, this is Joanne. Joanne, this is Eugene. And uh, Brian had set it up because Eugene had an exhibit opening coming for his um, work on the um, mental institutions. And so he was told Eugene to come and pick up her prints because Brian was printing them. And so on that Saturday, I get to the exhibit opening I'm, go, you know, I'm going, and there's Eugene. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm Joanne. You know, I met you the other day in Brian Young's class. And he was like, yeah, and you sent me an email. I was like, I've sent you a few emails. And uh, he's like, well, what can I do for you? What do you need? And I was like, well, actually, you know, I was hoping that I could intern for you. And he's like, well, you know, I'm not really taking any interns and blah, blah, blah. So let's meet for lunch anyways. So we met for lunch, and after a three-hour lunch, he was like, okay. He's like, sure. He's like, come once a week, you know, on Thursdays. And I was like, oh, my God, this is actually happening. And so, sure enough, he lived in Brooklyn, and so did I, or I do. And so I would go over to his house every Thursday, and it was like, you know, I was like a kid in a candy store. Like, he was more amazing than I could ever imagine. Like, he is just so smart and so just giving. You know, I would go there, and he'd be busy. Because a lot of times he really didn't need an intern, but I think he just liked having me around. And so I would go there, and he would give me, like, his whole book of negatives. And he'd say, here you go, look through these. He's like, you know, it's like looking through somebody's dirty laundry. He's like, so take a look and let me tell me what you think afterwards. You know, and these were like his like greatest stories, things I've seen in books. And here's like his books and books of negatives. And I would be like, oh my, like he would tell me how he would edit and he would show me how to edit. Like he helped me edit my Christopher Street project. And, you know, when I was getting frustrated shooting the gay veterans, you know, he was like, you know, it's a story. Just keep going. He's like, you'll, you'll figure it out. He's like, you'll get it. You know, don't worry about it. And it was just, yeah, it was so just invaluable. You know, he was just always there and just, you know, and just, then just to watch him work, like he was putting together his war's personal book at the time. So he was shooting, you know, injured Iraqi um, veterans at, at the time when I was trying to find gay veterans. And so just watching his, you know, and helping him edit, you know, he would ask me my opinion. And I was like, what? Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, yeah, it was, it was just, you know, it was super cool. And the fact that I can look on my cell phone and I see that I have his name in there and I'm like, all right, I can call Eugene Richards when I have a question. And that's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) So So, yeah, no, he was, it was amazing. That's awesome. Well, tell me about the exhibit. I know that it opens up on November 11th. And, um, so why don't you share with our audience? Because uh, I'm going to uh, post this before the the show. So for people who are in the New York area who want to check it out, what can they expect to see and where do they go? Um, well, you go to the um, LGBT, uh, the Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender uh, Community Center 
uh, here in Manhattan. It's on uh, West 13th. I believe it's 208 West 13th uh, Street. It's between 7th and 8th. And you can go to uh, gaycenter.org for more info. And that opens up on uh, Veterans Day. So open up on Thursday, November 11th. And the exhibit opening is at 5.30 p.m. Um, and it'll actually be up through the end of December. And that evening, yeah, it should be pretty great. It's, it's two, I believe the, all the photos should be on two floors. There'll be 67 portraits um, uh, hung up there for for everyone to see. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited, you know. Like, I'm actually right in a coffee shop right next to B&H about to go buy my first large roll of paper so I can begin the printing today so it's a little little daunting um ahead of me but yeah and actually the same evening at seven o'clock is also going to be a moderated panel um and there'll be nathaniel frank moderated by richard Socarides, who was um part of president clinton's um, lgbt task force during the implementation of don't ask don't tell will be moderating the panel uh nathaniel frank who's the author of unfriendly fire um you know palm center scholar and he will be on the panel as well as a few other veterans and some other um, distinguished guests as well. And it's, all the information is on, on there and will be on my website as well. Um, so, yeah, it should be should be a fun evening. I'm interested to see what people have to say um, about the portraits. Um, in the end, whether they like the photos or not, I hope they, they read the stories and they walk away um, saying that they, you know, may not personally know a gay veteran, but now they know what these people went through for for us well the last question i always ask is i ask a photographer to recommend or suggest another photographer and it can be anyone from someone you've long admired to uh someone you've recently discovered so who would that one photographer be for you and why oh wow that's a one photographer um would be and why um you know honestly let's see I love um, I love I love a lot of photographers, but just because it's in my head, and uh, I went to I had the privilege the other night to go to the uh, W. Eugene Smith um, Memorial Fund where they give out the grant for humanistic photography, and so I went the other night, and um, the winner uh, Darcy Padilla was just I, I had known her work, but not to see it there and to hear her speak. You know, she had photographed this one woman, the Julie Project you know, for 18 years, and it was a woman who um, she had met who in San Francisco who was standing in a hotel with her newborn baby. You know, she was 18 years old, and she, she you know, ended up getting infected with AIDS um, by her boyfriend, you know, five children, and Darcy stuck with her on and off for 18 years and photographed her, and she just recently passed away uh, this past September, and Darcy um, received the W. Jean Smith Award uh, for her work, which... It was it is it was so powerful and so moving. Um, I definitely recommend anybody who hasn't seen that project, the Julie Project, uh, to to look it up because it was it was quite quite amazing and powerful. Yeah, work. that's that's an awesome suggestion. I got turned on to it this week, and I'm really looking forward to finding out more about her. But yeah. thank you so much, Joe. Uh, it was. <laughs> I'm really glad we had a chance to sit down and talk and for me and my listeners to learn more about all the work that you're doing and best of luck with the exhibit. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. It was a, it was a pleasure and honor to, to speak with you today. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Please leave your comments and suggestions on the blog at thecandidframe.com or send me an email at thecandidframe at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, 
Facebook, and Flickr. Links to each can be found on the blog. Till next time, this is Ibarian X Pirello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.